Jack pulled the car over to the sound of sirens somewhere behind him. He watched through the rearview mirror as a police cruiser pulled up behind his car. The officer driving the vehicle stepped out, holding a ticket, and walked up to his window, which he began to roll down nervously. "'You know you were speeding?' the officer asked. Jack couldn't be certain, but something in the officer's tone made him think he knew something. He looked up with an awkward grin. "'Is there something wrong, officer?' "'You were speeding,' the officer said again, looking at Jack like he was crazy. "'Oh. Well, give me the ticket and I'll be on my way.' "'What's that smell?' The officer looked around in disgust, noticing an ugly aroma on the car. "'Nothing. It's nothing.' "'You don't smell it? That's a pretty nasty stench. You got something in your car?' "'Well, no. I mean, yeah, but I just gotta clean my car.' I'll tell you something, you're not making a whole lot of sense. Jack sat quietly and didn't move. He was sure now that the officer knew something. Can you please step out of the vehicle, sir? He asked. It was a demand. Jack opened the door and stepped onto the road, closing the door behind him. I'm going to search your car, and I better not find anything, or I'm going to have to write you up for something a lot bigger than a speeding ticket. Okay, he said, trembling, catching sight of his breath now in the chill of the night. He watched as the officer went through the front and back seats with his flashlight. Then he got out and shined the light in Jack's face. Sir, can you please open the trunk for me? Jack opened the driver's side door and pulled a lever next to the seat. The officer made his way to the rear of the car. He opened the trunk, blocking Jack's view of him. What the f- Without hesitating, Jack jumped into the car and started it up. He put it in reverse and slammed on the pedal as the car hit the officer and pushed him backwards into the cruiser. He heard the sound of glass shattering, which he imagined to be the officer's body being forced off the hood of the cruiser and into the windshield. Jack changed gears again and slammed on the pedal once more, accelerating forward and forcing the trunk to fall shut under its own weight. Except for the growing bump just above her waistline, from where a lively kicking had only just now subsided, Jessica sat alone in her living room, reading a new mommy's magazine. She was waiting for her boyfriend, who was supposed to be home quite some time ago, she had just finished a paragraph when the doorbell rang. She got up and ran to the door, pulling it open in anticipation of her handsome boyfriend. But she was disappointed to find the distraught-looking face of an almost unrecognizable man standing on the front steps, drenched in water. His face had been cut badly, and the sagging of his eyes made him look depressed. But it was, after all, her boyfriend, Jack. Jack? She moved out of the way as Jack walked into the house, dripping on the rug. He made his way to the living room to sit down. Jessica followed the trail of water and sat down in another chair. What happened? She stared at the mess that was Jack, curious as to the events that had led up to his present state. If I tell you, can you promise not to tell anyone else? He asked, staring at the ground, holding his head in his hands. Yes, yes, what is it? Jack hesitated for a moment, but spoke again. You know, James... You've mentioned him before, yes. Why? He was my best friend. Honey, I know. I don't understand where this is going. Sometimes James can be such an asshole. Sometimes he pisses me off, makes me want to shut him up. Sometimes I want to just, I don't know, put my hands around his throat and strangle him. He says the most infuriating things. Jessica's heart raced faster at these words. She'd never heard Jack talk like this. So, today... He said something about you. And I... I don't know, I just... I guess I just lost it. 
I killed him, Jess. Jessica laughed nervously. I'm serious. He's dead, Jess. I... I killed a man tonight. She stopped laughing then, seeing that the morose expression on Jack's face had gone unchanged. She stopped asking questions and just stared. It was not like Jack at all. At this point, even such a twisted joke was extremely out of character for the man she loved and, until that night, had thought that she'd known. But what could she do? They had just bought the house and she was due with the baby in less than a month. Life was almost perfect, despite the misgivings of her parents for having gotten pregnant so young. This, she assured herself, was what she wanted. This was the man she loved. And though they were not married, yet, she felt this was the or worse half of the vows that she swore she would one day make. She came to the conclusion that she didn't care what Jack had done. She was going to protect him, to defend him. She would have a harder time admitting to herself that she was afraid to mess up the fairy tale everyone around her had told her was destined to fall apart. This, she assured herself, was an obstacle to be overcome. But regardless of the stance she took now, she had to admit that she had no idea what to do next. Well, what did you do with the body? she asked, disgusted with the words that had come out of her mouth. I went to that old wooden bridge, over by the trolley road, and threw it in the water. Why are you wet, then? One of the boards I was standing on broke loose, and I fell into the water with the body. I nearly drowned. He said this so matter-of-factly that Jessica had to hold back a sudden urge to burst into tears. It reminded her of her sister, who had succumbed to periods of deep depression when she was much younger. That blank stare, the dead eyes, and the voice that sounded as if it had given up on the idea of hope altogether. It was all Jessica could do to keep it together for her boyfriend. But after Jack had gone to the bedroom and Jessica could make out the soft snoring and characteristic tossing and turning of the man through the bedroom door, she found herself crying softly in the same chair she had been sitting in most of the evening. Of course she couldn't help wondering, somewhere amidst the chaos of her swirling thoughts, if this sadness would imprint itself on the baby she would soon bring into this world. But, she assured herself, a broken home would be much more catastrophic to a child's well-being. The next morning, Jack and Jessica awoke to the sound of the doorbell ringing. Jessica went into the kitchen door to put some coffee on while Jack greeted the officers at the door. Officers. Good morning, officers, Jack stuttered. We're sorry to bother you so early, but we have some questions to ask you. About what? Jack stuttered again. He was growing frustrated with himself now. Last night there was a murder. Can we please come in? Jack stood motionless for a second and then opened the door completely to let the officers in. Well, I can answer your questions, but I doubt if I'd have anything valuable to tell you. Then this shouldn't take too long. The officers sat down on the couch in the living room. Jack sat in a chair across from them. Where were you last night? I was... at work. And then... Jack pretended to recollect his memories. And then I drove home. I didn't do a whole lot last night. Kind of uneventful around here lately, he lied. He tried to decipher the officers' expressions, but was unable to get past the dull looks on their faces. Jessica sat drinking her coffee in the kitchen. Unless the officers asked to see her, she was comfortable right where she was. Besides, she thought, a pregnant lady that just rolled out of bed? They should consider themselves lucky. But she did try to eavesdrop. The officer Jack was talking to was too quiet for her to hear. But she heard Jack clearly. It was strange, actually. The officers seemed not to make a sound at all. She heard Jack tell them everything but the truth. Of course, 
but she found herself losing interest in the lies and decided a bit of TV would serve as a proper distraction from the stress of everything going on. But Jessica found herself regretting this decision as the small TV above the refrigerator began sounding off an update on the discovery of a missing body. According to the report, some kids had stumbled onto a corpse, washed ashore near the old bridge by the trolley road. The body was mangled beyond recognition. The report ended as Jack walked into the kitchen and sat down next to Jessica, looking agitated and carrying the look of a man who had reached the end of his rope. They found the body. It was on the news, Jessica told him. The officers are gone. They probably won't be back, but I think they suspect something. This is going to drive me crazy. They sat silently at the kitchen table until a disturbing thought came to Jessica. Jack, does anyone else know about this? No. Jack said, unconvincingly. Jessica could see right through him. Jack, was there anyone else? she asked again. He didn't say anything for a few seconds, but seemed to be searching the room for the answer that they both knew he possessed. There was a police officer who pulled me over before I dumped the body. What? He searched the entire car, including the trunk. And what happened? Jessica could feel her heart racing again. I backed the car into him. I hit him. I think he's dead, too. Jack stopped suddenly, remembering that the officer had written him a ticket. He hadn't taken the ticket and his license plate number was on it. Shit! He burst aloud, scaring Jessica with the slamming of a clenched fist on the table. She thought she felt the baby kick, too. We need to go back to that spot. Why, Jack? That cop! He wrote down my plate numbers. I didn't take the ticket. Jessica took a deep breath and watched as Jack disappeared back into the living room. When he reappeared, he was wearing his coat, with the hood up, still damp from the night before. We need to go now. When they reached the spot where Jack said he'd been pulled over, they found nothing. It was here! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Jack screamed, slamming his fist into the steering wheel, prompting a blast from the horn that made Jessica jump. You need to calm down. Please. Jessica felt small. That's probably why they came to our house, Jack continued, ignoring her. They have all my info. They're just playing games with me. Jack was on his knees now, combing the pavement with his bare hands, looking like a dog, sniffing and scratching for some rodent he knew had been there. They had cleaned everything from the night before. There wasn't a single thing anywhere on the road to even hint that there had been a crash. It was just a flat stretch of tarmac, plain as they come. He got back into the car angrily and gripped his hands over the top of the steering wheel. He looked straight ahead oblivious to Jessica's whimpering beside him, and drove straight home. Things only got worse from there. Though nothing really happened in the way of updates on the murder investigation, Jack was driving himself crazy with the thought of going to prison. And what's worse was he kept having nightmares of James's murder. He would wake up every night, screaming and darting his head around in confusion, gasping for air as if he had been plunged into some bottomless ravine. Jessica couldn't help but notice, in these moments, that the buckets of sweat that poured from her boyfriend certainly seemed to validate these delusions. She wished there was more she could do to help. Late one night, after Jack had gone for a bath, and while Jessica was scrolling through her Facebook feed, listening to a soft jazz playlist on her seed speaker, Jessica suddenly realized that Jack had not returned for some time. Nor had he seemed to make a sound in all the time that he had been in the bathroom. Jack! she hollered, but there was no answer. Jack! 
She put her phone on the armrest of the chair and commanded the seed to pause the music. Jack! She tried one last time before struggling to her feet. The bump above her waist had grown, and the baby seemed nearly ready now to burst forth into the world. When there was no answer after a knock on the door, Jessica forced her way into the bathroom to find her boyfriend lying naked in a half-filled bathtub, holding her hair dryer. Jack, what are you doing? She said calmly, though her heart seemed as ready as the baby to burst out of her. I can't take it anymore. He was crying, staring at the hair dryer in his hand. It's okay, Jack. She felt useless. It's not okay! He slammed his fist into the tiny square tiling lining the wall to the bath. I'm not doing you any good staying here. I don't care what you did, Jack. I... I love you. Jessica found herself hesitating to say this for the first time in their relationship, but she quickly tossed the thought away. I need you, Jack. That's what kills me, Jess. He looked at her then with a faint glimmer of some distant affection. You love me so much that you're willing to destroy yourself with me. But what have I done for you? You've... She started, but she found herself lost for words. She had the flicker of a thought that maybe her parents had been right. That maybe her fantasy was just that. A fantasy. The man her baby would grow up with was already ready to give up. But she hated herself suddenly for even having these thoughts. This man was her boyfriend, and someday would be her husband. It wasn't Jack who was giving up, it was she who was giving up on him. And James, the man Jack had murdered? Well, she hadn't even met him. She fell in love with Jack for a reason. Surely that reason was important. Surely James had deserved to be snuffed out. Jessica caught herself nearly vomiting at this final thought. She was confused about the right and wrong of the situation, but it was easiest for her to fall into the role of a supporting partner. She needed this man alive, for her baby's sake. For the sake of her so-called fantasy. She needed Jack. Jack flicked a switch on the hairdryer and looked deep into her eyes suddenly. Don't do it, Jack. The hairdryer was as loud as a siren to Jessica. A death siren, she thought. But then, suddenly, with eyes still locked, he dropped the hairdryer on the floor, outside the bathtub, and started shaking violently. His eyes rolled back as he slipped under the water. Jessica rushed toward him, unplugging the dryer and pulling him out of the tub. She grasped his naked body tightly in her arms, imagining herself squeezing the tremors out of him, defending him, protecting him from a sorrow that seemed to pool out of the depths of a mind that grew darker and more distant with each passing day. She was overwhelmed, heart beating too fast. She thought that this stress could not be good for the baby. But the one thing she could be sure of at that moment was that Jack was still alive. Things seemed to die down a bit in the days leading up to the baby's due date. Jack was quieter than usual, and he kept mostly to himself in the bedroom. But his erratic outbursts never resurfaced, and he even seemed a bit cheerier when he did venture into the kitchen or the living room. Two days before Jessica was destined with a due date to deliver their baby, she was reading the latest issue of New Mommies, listening to some older country that she had recently rediscovered, and remembered listening to her with her father. The music, of course, was sounding softly from the seed when Jack came into the room. I'm telling you, I don't trust that thing, Jack joked, attempting to tackle the topmost button on his shirt. Yeah, well, you should probably get used to it. Machines are taking over, you know, Jessica teased nervously. 
This single utterance from Jack reminded her of the early days when they had first started dating. She wasn't sure where it had come from, but it was a welcome relief from the more recent utterances of Jack. I'm going out. Do you want any coffee from Dunks or anything? Uh, no, thank you. Where are you going? Oh, just out. I got some things to do. The anxiety began to creep back into Jessica's body, but she quickly pushed it back down with a reminder to herself that going out was what normal people did. Well, be careful. Though she was scared of what Jack might do outside of the house, she didn't know what else to say. She thought it would upset him to bring up the murder and all that had recently happened. The best thing now, she thought, was to act as if nothing had changed. He needs to know I trust him. I think I'll be okay. He shot her a smirk and winked in that charming way he used to have about him. Okay. When Jack had closed the door behind him, a notification sound pinged from Jessica's phone. She picked it up and discovered a new message from Cindy, Jack's mother. Hi, Jessica. I haven't seen you two in a while. I'm missing my daughter-in-law-to-be. You must be close to having the baby. Jack has not reached out to me in a while. He doesn't answer or return my calls. Just checking in to see how you two are doing. Jessica's anxiety rushed back to her as she read the message. Jack hasn't talked to his mother? Suddenly, she had the thought that she should have told someone about Jack's behavior, even if she had to leave out the murder. Hello? Hi, Cindy. Jessica talked through the car radio to Jack's mother. Jessica, how are you? Cindy's voice beamed through the speakers. I'm okay. I got your message. Oh, yes. I hadn't heard from either of you. I was getting a little worried. Thought you'd forgotten about me. Oh, no. We've been very busy with the pregnancy and all, Jessica lied. But I thought that maybe Jack would have talked to you. No, dear. Jack hasn't even answered my texts. I'm beginning to think I'm not doing it right. This damned technology, Cindy joked. Jessica glanced up at the rearview mirror, suddenly noticing a small piece of paper tucked in between the backseat cushions. Oh, you're fine, Cindy. We're all a bit lost with this technology now. She made a note to herself to check the seat when she stopped. Hey, Cindy, do you mind if I stop by? Oh, sure, dear. You know I'm always home these days. You two should... Do you mind if I stop by now? I'm right around the corner. Oh. Oh, sure, dear. Such short notice, but you know I always love to see you two. It's just me. Oh, okay. I'll prepare some tea. Thank you, Cindy. I'll see you in a couple minutes. Jessica ended the call with the push of a button on her steering wheel and made the turn onto Bradbury Street, where Jack's mother lived. She pulled into the driveway and rang the doorbell. Cindy came to the door with a look of exuberant excitement on her face. It had, Jessica thought, been quite some time. She suddenly felt worse for having not visited her future mother-in-law, though the idea of marriage now seemed to be losing its appeal, and she hated herself for it. Cindy invited Jessica into the old house and they made their way to the dining room through a hallway of old family photographs, and, Jessica remembered, a large glass cabinet full of porcelain birds. Cindy had been collecting the statuettes her whole life and seemed to have a story and emotional attachment to every bird displayed. They sat down at a large table where two small white cups of tea with yellow bird-shaped engravings were already laid out. So, how has my future daughter-in-law been? Cindy began, seeming unable to keep back a smile that made Jessica feel even worse for not having visited. The same. Actually, she hesitated. 
Actually, Jack's not that good. He's been having problems. Oh, my Jack certainly has his problems. Depression, I'd guess? Yes, Jessica began. Among other things. He's a sensitive boy, but he would never hurt a fly. Sometimes he just gets in his head a bit. Or at least he used to. I thought my Jack grew out of that. Well, maybe he's a bit stressed. A baby, after all, is a big change. Yes. Jessica found herself frustrated but couldn't pin down exactly why. It's a beautiful thing, of course, but sometimes a bit overwhelming for a new father. He'll get used to it. He always does. Cindy took a sip of tea and placed her cup back down on the table. Yes, well... Jessica began to chew her lip nervously. Cindy, have you ever met James? What? Cindy looked at her, puzzled. James, Jack's best friend? He's talked about him most of the time I've known him, but he's never actually introduced me to him. I'm sorry, dear, I'm a little hard of hearing. The woman continued to smile innocently. James! Jessica spoke louder, hoping that her volume didn't come off as rude. Oh, dear. The old woman began to laugh to herself. Jessica laughed with her nervously. I'm sorry, dear. You've just reminded me of when Jack was little. He used to have an imaginary friend named James. James was his best friend until he went into high school. For a while there, Walter and I, God bless his soul, thought we were going to have to bring Jack to a specialist. She laughed quietly again. Oh, I'd forgotten about James. Jessica smiled uneasily as Cindy rose to her feet suddenly. You'll excuse me, dear. I've got to take my medication. I get this arthritis that just ruins my day if I'm too late taking the pills. Do yourself a favor and don't get old. She smiled at Jessica and left the room. Jessica sat quietly, pondering this new information. James, an imaginary friend? It doesn't make sense. And as she stared blankly at the teacups and a thin sliver of sunlight draped across the pink tablecloth, her attention was pulled in the direction of a radio that had been left on somewhere in the house. It was a great day today for law enforcement as the murder of Daniel Pearson, who was found recently on the shore of the river under the old Trolley Road Bridge, was solved. Steve Guzman was arrested at his home near the river after police were able to match fingerprints, along with eyewitness accounts of what he looked like. Jessica bolted up and ran out of the house, back through the hall of old photos and porcelain birds, and stopped at the car. She climbed into the back seat and grabbed the piece of paper she had noticed earlier. It was a speeding ticket, issued to Jack the night he had come home talking about murders. She got out of the car and walked slowly to the back. She realized now that there were no dents on the car. There wasn't even a scratch. Tears came streaming forth as she fell to the ground and propped herself up against the back wheel, staring at the ticket. None of the things Jack had told her had actually happened. He had gotten the ticket and driven away, without killing any police officers. His best friend wasn't real. He was driving himself crazy over something that didn't exist. Figments of his imagination. A fantasy. She remembered the officers that came to their house the day after Jack had come home drenched in water. She remembered that she hadn't heard either of them speak. She hadn't even seen them. Then it occurred to Jessica that the man she had tried to love was not entirely who she thought he had been. It wasn't insanity after murder. It was just plain insanity. The last thought she had before her racing thoughts faded suddenly to black was of her parents pleading for her to reconsider dropping out, pleading with her not to rush into things. And then she passed out.
When Jessica came to, she was in a hospital. The only things that stood out in the whiteness of the room besides the pink patterns on her gown and a small TV suspended from the ceiling displaying a colorful footage of the historic launch of the Valley Forge were the two nurses and a single doctor standing over her. The scene reminded her of the Wizard of Oz as her vision came into focus. But then the idea of a children's book sparked a tangent of thoughts that quickly led her to burst aloud. My baby! It's okay, Miss Rose. Your baby is fine. We had to do a C-section, but everything has gone smoothly. And lucky for you, you got to miss out on the painful part. What? Jessica was still confused. But as she looked around the room for answers, her eyes fell on a man holding a baby, sitting down in the far corner. He had a white mask on his face, but his eyes were familiar and upbeat as they stared back at her. He stood to his feet and approached her with the sleeping child, pulling the mask down with his free hand and smiling warmly. Hey, you. Hey. She was still confused, but was slowly beginning to understand. Thought I lost you there. I'm fine. She looked at the man's face, and down to the baby's, then back up to the man. There was a resemblance. You want to meet our new son? He crouched beside her, bringing the baby closer to her face. Jack, I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Shh. Jack kissed Jessica on the forehead and looked back down at the baby, who was beginning to stir. He's beautiful. He is, just like his mother. Jessica smiled weakly. You know, we never really talked about it, but I think I have the perfect name for him. Jack's smile seemed to widen as his eyes became distant in thought. Oh? Yeah. His smile shrank a little and he returned his gaze to Jessica, pausing just a moment longer. He looks like a James to me.